the framework of a deal in place. Those are the words of Sportsnet's Nick Kiprios via Twitter last night. That in regards to the Bruins and a trade being discussed. Ty Anderson for the Rangers. Six-time All-Star winger Rick Nash. I'm going to say it right now. It's a done deal. He's coming. These things never fall through. It's going to happen. Remember Aginla? No, I don't remember that. That was a lot of fun. Don't remember J.D. Martinez this week either. Oh, that's going to. Oh, come on now. I think that's going to go through. We'll find out uh, perhaps today. I think Rick Nash could be here before J.D. Martinez officially is, though. This all uh, started last night, uh, second period, right? Late second. Yeah, around that point, it really Around the started. time the Bruins stopped playing. It was like, oh, wow, okay, that will work. Right. Brandon Carlo was getting benched. And uh, here were the Rick Nash rumors flying. Elliot Friedman and Derek Dra- uh, Darren Drager tweeted about it. Uh, the Bruins are a leading candidate to land Nash. Definite interest in Nash. Then Pierre Lebrun said uh, they made an offer, right? He confirmed there was an offer made. Bob McKenzie, the guru, would you put him at the top of that list? Absolutely. Best in the league. They're all working for the same company, basically. It's all TSN Yeah, guys. I think Friedman is, like, emerging as maybe the number one. Oh, my, really? It's just my opinion, but but Bob is still, you know, he's the Bob father. He's he's everything you want out of a hockey journalist. All right, Mount Rushmore of uh, hockey reporters a little later in the show. But anyway, <laughs> Bob McKenzie said the offer is somewhere in the range of a first-round pick and a solid prospect. And then, of course, you hear about the main hang-up being salary cap-related challenges so basically if this gets done Ty the Bruins are done for this year at the trade deadline I mean it would be a major move for Don Sweeney would be the first time he's ever given up a first round pick correct in a Uh, trade yes he would be out on the ledge further than ever I don't get a sense from the Twitter reaction from Bruins fans last night that they're real big fans of this necessarily maybe that'll change when you actually see big number 61 in a B sweater but this is then your team with Nick Holden and Rick Nash added and the Bruins right now, despite the loss last night, sixth best record in the NHL, fancying themselves as cup contenders. I guess the simple question is, is Rick Nash worth a first and a solid prospect? And more importantly, does it fill the biggest need they have as they approach the final 22 games of the year? Well, I think it's worth it because you have to make a move here. I think we've established that Tampa Bay, is they're, make, they're cooking up something down there. Uh, Pittsburgh got their guy in Derek Broussard. That's a huge get for them. It's so underrated, I think, really, in terms of what we're seeing uh, being reported so far. You need to make a move here. And, and I think that clearly Bruce Cassidy has has lost trust in his second line. This is back-to-back games now where we've, we've seen DeBrusque and Spooner really ride the pine, and he rides with Heinen and Backus with Krejci. I don't know if that's great for the long-term success of that team of the team. So I think you need to make a move here. Uh, Nash, I mean, he's a player I would have liked to have seen the Bruins get five years ago. But I think in terms of what you need, uh, specifically for David Krejci, I, I think it does work for them. And also, I, I look at the market here. Once Grabner was off the board, I was like, all right, well, Nash is now the best winger available. I think he's better than Maroon. I think he's better than Thomas Vanek. This is a player that I, I would spend the first-round pick on, I think, given the fact that you have so many prospects. You know, this is something that we always talk about. They have prospects, prospects. But it's unrealistic to say all of them are going to make it. I mean, look at Anders Bjork this year. He didn't make it. You know, he, he had some some time and he got injured, and that took him out of the lineup, I understand. But overall, he wasn't necessarily solidified in his spot. So I do think that you're at a point now where you have enough prospects and enough draft pick capital where, where you can move one of these guys and you'll be okay. Doesn't mean Anders Bjork's not going to make it next year or the year after. There's a big difference between not making it this year and then giving up you know, a prospect and um, you know, trading him away. I think I like to trade. I don't necessarily agree that they had to make this move. If they would have brought Ryan McDonough in on paper, is that a better fit for what they need right now? I would say yes. Unfortunately, the prices are higher for McDonough because he's got a year left on his deal and he's a better player than Rick Nash is right now, right? So Yeah, and you're talking about, I think, you know, the two teams that would really want uh, McDonough are the Lightning and the Bruins. So the, the Rangers can say, all right, you know, the price is now this, this, and this. And you'd have to go, well... 
all right. You know, you really couldn't fight it as much as you can Rick Nash. You can really call their bluff and say, okay, trade him to the Preds. We dare you. You know what I mean? It's one of those things where I think it's easier to to call their bluff on Nash than his McDonough because they don't have to move him yet. They could move him at the draft if they really want to. Yeah, I mean, I guess with Eric Carlson's name popping up, there are, there's another elite defenseman that might create more of a, a buyer's market, for lack of a better term, for McDonough because other teams might be in on, uh, on Carlson. I don't know. That seems to have cooled the last couple of days. But... Like, when you look at the Bruins and what their fatal flaw is, it's hard to see them winning a cup, to me, with this group of defensemen. If this is it, and they're done, and if they get Rick Nash, this is it, right? Even though they're, they're nine deep, much deeper than last year. Much better situation than calling up Tommy Cross and having Joe Morrow oh, in the lineup for the, for the playoff series. Yeah, I mean, but can you? is this group good enough on the back end? With Carlos struggling right now to the point where he's probably your sixth defenseman, maybe seventh, I, I don't know. Holden... Played big minutes with the Rangers, but I don't really see him coming in here and, and making a huge impact to you. Is he going to be a shutdown guy, a top-four guy for the stretch? No, and if, if he is, I think they're in trouble. I think he's probably best in their third pairing. And So so the Carlo thing is scary because I think this was a player that you you sort of realized that needed to be a lot more important than he's, than he's been this year, I guess. You know, the best way I really describe it. And I thought that, you know, his offensive game has just regressed so bad to the point where he just has no confidence with the puck. And it's one of those things where Cassie's system – Defensemen are going to have the puck. You know, you need to show some semblance of being able to lead a breakout or join the rush, and he doesn't have that. So I do worry about that. And that's the same reason why I worry about McQuaid logging big minutes in the postseason as well. And I just think that they have the pieces, but there's the experience isn't there. You know, and it, it McAvoy really is this team's sort of backbone now. I think in a lot of ways, Chara obviously, but I think on that right side, you need McAvoy to be what he's been, and if not better. And that's that's hard to imagine. Uh, you know, by game 95, McAvoy is still what he is, or what he was in November and, and October, really. Yeah, I mean, it's almost, they've been fighting this for the last couple of years. Are they in? Is this is the window closing? And Chara's a big part of that. He's played so well this year, it looks like they're going to resign him to an extent, you know, some kind yeah, of an two extension. Year deal. Right? So That'll maybe, happen. so the window maybe three years. So maybe, so you're not as hard-pressed to we have to go all in to the point of, uh, you know, we're going to trade away Carlo and we're going to trade multiple prospects. We have to win this year. So you could, I guess, go through the playoffs with, let's take a shot at it. We bring in Rick Nash. Let's hope we, we make a long run. If not, though, we get big minutes for some of the young guys on D. Grizzlick plays. Carlo plays. I, that's not the worst thing in the world. But to really sit here and think that group is good enough to win a cup, uh, I, I can't say that I would put my money on that. Well, I think the, the biggest thing helping them right now is the fact that there's not a true juggernaut out there. I think the Penguins are probably the closest thing right now because of, of how well they're playing recently. And, you know, you could say the Lightning as well, but there's a lot of teams that really haven't proven themselves right now, I think with the exception of Pittsburgh. So, you know, if the matchups favor you, and, and we've talked about this before, I think, you know, last year when we talked about this team making the playoffs, I think that, you know, this league, especially the Eastern Conference, it seems wide open for the most part. You know, I don't look at it one team and go, okay, the Bruins cannot beat that team in a seven-game series. I think, ironically, I think the closest one is probably Toronto, really, like where I'm confident that they can beat Toronto, but if I see what I see last night where the, they can't control the Nylander line or the Kadri line, then they're in trouble. But I think, I think they, they play Tampa Bay well. They play Pittsburgh well. The Capitals, I don't think are going to be there in the third round, really, so I don't think you have to worry about them. You know, I, I do think that it's relatively w- wide open, so that shouldn't hold you back from, from making these moves. Uh, it's just a matter of uh, overextending yourselves, uh, extending yourself if you, have to, if you don't have to. Yeah, I, w- I would think the Penguins have a real chance to just wear themselves out after three, you know, two long cup runs in a third year. This is almost unprecedented. But they, you said the arms race. They got Derek Broussard, so they made a big trade this week and got exactly what they needed. So that's going to amp up, and one of these teams is going to get Ryan McDonough. 
whether yeah. it's Toronto or Tampa, and that's going to, I think, put them even a, a notch further ahead of uh, Boston in terms of the favorite and uh, coming out of the Atlantic. The doomsday for me is Eric Carlson going to the Lightning, which is, is still not off the table, it yeah, would appear. Yeah. I, I listened to everything last night. It sounds like the, the Sens really want, whether it's uh, Vlad- Vladimir Nemestikov or uh, uh, Braden Point. Like, they want a big piece from Tampa Bay, and I don't know if Eiserman is willing to do that. But if he does do that, I mean, that team is completely stacked now on the back end and up front. And I think that would be a real juggernaut. Uh, you know, that would solidify Tampa Bay as sort of being the team. Uh, but until that happens, you know, it, it is wide open, I would say. I, re- I really do believe that. All right, Sunday Skate here presented by Star Market, Ken Laird and Ty Anderson. The debut, 2018, uh, a tradition dating back to, I think, uh, the 20s when DJ Bean started. Give us a big, uh, ring, 617-779-7937. Is Rick Nash worth a first and a solid prospect? And I guess other stuff, because they're going to have to move salary to get him fit in. So if that means they're going to ship Matt Bolesky out, terrible contract in hindsight. Um, That's the one. He's got two years left. Yeah. You have to give up. Nobody's just going to take that. I mean, obviously, you're going to have to give some more assets to remove the cap money to do it. Uh, Just to focus on Nash, though, for a second. Uh, What's he got left? What's he going to bring here? He's got five-on-five five scoring. I'll tell you that. I mean, that's one of those things where I think you look at the numbers, 18 goals, 28 points, I think, through 60 games, I want to say. Yep. Uh, it's one of those things where you, I think 14 out of those 18 goals have come at even strength, whether that's five-on-five five or four-on-four. Four. I think it's predominantly five-on-five. Five. Uh, that's something that Krejci's line needs, I think, really, on a more consistent basis. I think we've seen, we've seen things that we've liked from the DeBrusque-Krejci-Spooner line, but I think we've also seen, like I said, that trust sort of fade with... With with Cassie putting those guys out there for twenty minutes a night, I don't think he has that uh, really on a consistent enough basis. You know, back to back games now where they those wingers have played about eleven minutes. You can't have that. It's not going to work in the postseason. So I think this will help solidify Krejci's legitimacy at at five on five, which has sort of faded. Uh, and I, I think that he is a presence. You know, he's that front of the net kind of guy that I think I'm more comfortable having him there on the second power play unit than I am David Backus. It's more of a goal scorer's touch around the net. I like that more than I like Backus there. It's just how it is. Yeah, and that's like you say, he's, he's only got a couple of power play goals this year, so that's not going to be a major part of it. So the point is, okay, are they going to be able to get him to the front of the net? And the, the major, I guess, reaction to me seems to be with Rick Nash, this guy can't keep up anymore in this. That's why he's down from a 40-goal score to a 20-goal score. He just, just doesn't have any opportunities where he's free and uh, able to get that, that wrist shot off or to get uh, in front of the net. But this has been the problem with Krejci for years, right? They've been trying to get him going, and whether it was Stafford last year or trying new, new parts, uh, they're trying to recreate the magic of the Lucic years and the uh, the Horton years with him. And I, on paper, it doesn't seem like he's the best fit to spark that line anymore. Wouldn't you say that somebody like a like a Mike Hoffman or a, a Pacioretty may be available? Although I guess the Canadians probably wouldn't make a deal with the Bruins. But there are some other guys where you would think, let's go a little younger. Let's go with somebody who can actually keep up in the league these days. Yeah, and that's why I was so high on Grabner. I think you Grabner, know yeah. of the group, he's the one the most wheels, if you will, uh, still in his in his skates. So, but I look at the players they've targeted. I mean, they've they've scouted Maroon, they've scouted Vanek and, and Rick Nash. It's like okay, well, of the three, I like Nash the most. But you know, that's yeah, they're like, all sort of the same. Yeah, they're all from, from the same mold, cloth, although, which is what they want. I, you know, I think that's I, they've identified that they want to get bigger on Krejci's wing, which I think is, is kind of counterintuitive to what they've done. You know, they they tried a whole year of David Backus there before they realized this isn't working. This doesn't work. They don't they don't fit together. You know, so so why are we trying to make this work? And they found Backus a home in the third line, which he's been great there. You know, so so I look at it from that point that you're talking about, where it's like, okay, I can see why this wouldn't work. At the same time, though, 
you know, he he does uh, of the three, he has the most natural kind of goal scoring fit no or question. touch, if you will. Right. So so I don't hate it. And, and again, for me, the whole moving the first round pick thing, I'm okay with it because you you've you've hit you on so, so many of these yeah. kids with Heinen, with Donato. A lot of these late round selections you've made look like legitimate pros, or they are legitimate pros. So. I'm okay taking this chance here. I just think that... It is just that, though. It's a chance, right? It feels, yes. it feels like it's a lottery ticket. Well, that, and, and it's more confusing or, or more uh, alarming, if you will, because they moved for Toronto. So your safety net now is, is now gone. You know, So you got to hope that Nash works, because if he doesn't, you're in a lot of trouble. Not to mention last night, uh, Patrice Bergeron took a shot off the foot and was seen leaving Air Canada Center in the walking well, That's boot. great. Just what I want to hear. Uh, I don't know. I mean, the fact that he finished the game makes you feel like it's not that big a deal, but anytime a guy leaves in a boot, he played through a, a hole in his lung. You are never taking him out of the lineup. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, he'll be back at some point. I mean, I think you could pretty safely say that. They don't that. have an extra forward right now. Yeah, in the short term, what happens? I mean, probably Spooner's got to go back to center right now. For, I mean, that would make while. the most sense. Uh, maybe they, they put Bacchus there for a fill-in. I mean, obviously, he's played with, with Marshan and Pasternak before. Uh, he's a right shot as well, so that makes it a little bit easier. Uh, but yeah, they would theoretically have to dress 7-D if Bergeron's not able to go today. So you'd see Nick Holden probably the first time, but... One of those situations where, you know, this is this is the sort of the fall that you have when you move a lot of these pieces to facilitate other trades. It's you don't have that extra skater right now. And listen, they could probably make a call to Providence, get an emergency body up in Buffalo by five o'clock. That's not the issue. It's just, you know, how many more losses can you really take before this roster starts to completely change? And that's before you make all these cap cutting moves to bring in Rick Nash. Yeah, I mean, I wondered if Spooner was part of the discussion for the trade. Was it possible? And they may have to rethink that. Is it, would well, that's that's a real thing because if if they have to cut salary and and I don't know if you saw this, but they would have to cut around six mil in total cap hits. You know, and that's with no salary retention by the Rangers or a third team stepping in. And that's not prorated. That's like over the you know. Yes, of course. Yeah. So you're talking about you know Nat, you got to fit Nash's seven point eight mil in, even though it's prorated. You have to cut around six mil in in, in traditional cap hits, if you will. Right. So you have to move. McQuaid makes. Two seven two point seven five spooners under two and a half. You'd have to make one of you'd have to move one of these players as well as Bolesky just to make this work. Bolesky's near four. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So that's one of those things where you would you like would he's really, got to be in the deal. Bolesky, exactly. But who's going to take him? That's the hardest thing. Uh, Vancouver is a team that makes the most sense because they they sort of need to add the money here and. It would be a good role for them, and it'd be a good start for him, I think, out there. The other numbers for Nash that I guess are concerning: his shooting percentage is down to nine and a half percent, lowest of his career this year. I was reading some of the. I haven't watched the Rangers a ton, but how can you? Yeah, some of the writers there were saying he's playing a more defensive role. They, like they were asking him to come back on D a little bit. It doesn't make any Nobody's sense. Nobody's playing the right role there. <laughs> it's like it was like Nick Holden's a top pairing guy. You're like, no, that's not true. That can't be right. And now you hear Nash is a. Defensive stopper. It's like, all right, what are you doing, Vino? I, I went back and watched all his goals. It doesn't take that long with the you know the app these days. You can just go back and watch. And he scored two goals in a span of like five games, three three two goal games. And he still does have a great shot when he's loose. And like you said, he's when he's in front of the net, he can be a factor. So when you watch those, you're like, all right, yeah, Rick Nash, this guy's going to make a difference. I'm, I'm sure there. He went like ten games without a goal. He had another twelve game stretch without one. So he's going to be a. Uh, a streaky guy. Uh, even in this new system, I can't see him getting back to a forty goal. No, no, that those days pace. are over. Those days are absolutely over. It's just a matter of of putting them in the right spots. You know, putting them in situations where they can succeed. You know, that's a lot of offensive zone starts. It's a lot of uh, you know noticing the third pairing of another team is out there, and you say, okay, Krejci and Nash, you're out there. I I just think that you know you can't go into this expecting. 40-goal Rick Nash. But if they start putting him in offensive zone starts, hasn't been that one of the real reasons Bergeron has ascended his offensive game even further this year? That's one of the big things, right, is that you you don't want to take 
starts away from them because they've been such a dominant line. So they have the work cut out for them here. I, I think that, you know, I think you'd feel a lot more comfortable with this deal if it was a conditional second round pick. But I think the first round, you got to do it. You got to do something. And I just think that the prices, a lot of these teams, they're not backing down. You know, I think the, the Oilers still want a first round pick for Maroon. So again, we've talked about this, but you put a gun to my head. I, I'll take Rick Nash over Patrick Maroon every every day of the week. Yeah, I'm not going to argue that. I mean, just in general, giving up a first round pick very rarely seems to lead to any kind of a cup success. I mean, last year Shattenkirk and and Hansel were the two big fish to go, and of course the Capitals didn't get out of round two. And uh, I don't even remember when Minnesota got eliminated, but nobody does. <laughs> I mean, so I'm sure there are, there have been times where it's happened. Um, you mentioned Aginla. That was uh, the trade that almost went to Boston. He went to Pittsburgh for a first-round pick that year. They got eliminated by the Bruins. So you don't have to get the big fish to necessarily have success. But you do right now, you look at Ryan McDonough and think, why not? Why, why wouldn't they go after the guy that's clearly in his prime that could be an instant addition? I, I don't know. I guess where you would play him, he would be probably your, your second pair. But you would have two yes. awesome defensive pairings that could shut down guys. I think the big thing with McDonough is the fact that, you know, we've talked about the price as well, but you're talking about a better prospect too. I think you're talking about one of your top-of-the-line prospects. You, you know, I don't think Ryan Zanotto has ever been in play for them. I don't think they'd, they would move him for just about anybody. But I think you're talking about a prospect of that nature. You're talking about DeBrusque. You're talking about Heinen. You're talking about one of these guys that's actually on your NHL roster right now and playing some big minutes. You know, Carlo would probably be part of that package, and I can hear everyone saying, oh, thank God Carlo's part of that package. But it's not just Carlo. You know, it's De- like I said, it's DeBrusque. It's Heinen. It's a first-round pick. It's more prospects. It's more, it, You know, it could be Trent Frederick. You know, they have a lot of pieces here that I think that the price goes up. The price doubles if it's McDonough instead of Nash. And I think that... You know, moving moving all these assets for McDonough, that's more against what Don Sweeney has been saying that he's not going to do than than this simple move, if you will. Yeah, like Frederick was a name that was thrown out uh, by Bob McKenzie that might be in the Nash trade. Would anybody really care if, if they move Trent Frederick? I mean, a Bruins fan is going to be like, oh, God, I can't believe it. We give up Trent Frederick. You know, some people will, and they'll try to tell you that he's a future first-line center, which, hey, he, he might be. But you got to remember, he was a bonus pick. He was part of that Martin Jones trade that he was— you know, that was the pick that I thought the Bruins should have gambled on with uh, Alex Brinkat from who ended up going to Chicago, and he's having a pretty good season. But that's a pick that it was a bonus. It was free candy. You know, So if you can leverage that into something that legitimately helps your playoff run this year with a 40-year-old Chara, a 32-year-old or 31-year-old Tuka Rask, and a 33-year-old Bergeron, you got to do it. It's just how it is. The other guys that were thrown out names were uh, Forsback Carlson, who we saw just a little bit last year, and, and Ryan Lindgren, a defenseman. They took the second-round uh, pick in 2016. I mean, you know the prospects uh, better than I do. How's JFK been this year? And is, I, yeah, he's been solid it in like Providence. Pe- people were saying he's the next Bergeron. That's cooled a bit. Yeah, no, I don't see him being the next Bergeron. <laughs> I, I mean, that's a player that I would be okay with moving, to be honest with you. I, I think, you know, if you're looking at that group of people, that group of prospects, if you will, I, I do like... Frederick for his role. You know, if he comes in here, he's your third-line center, which you may need eventually, given the fact that Riley Nash is probably pricing himself out of Boston and Ryan Spooner is not long for a long-term fit here in the city, I would say. So I, I think that, that he's a need, and, and JFK's a need, but of the two, I like Frederick's game a little bit more. So I'd be, I'd be willing to stomach moving on from, uh, from JFK before I did Trent Frederick. Uh, Ryan Lindgren, I would prefer not to. I, I think that you can never have enough defense defensive depth in this league. Uh, I like his game. Uh, I would like to see him here before you make that call. I like to see his pro game before you trade that player. And obviously because I, I have my doubts about Jacob Saborol and some of these other defensive prospects they have. Uh, so I really I would prefer to hang on to Lindgren. But again, 
the, the Rangers know they have the Bruins in a spot here. They know that they, they need a player. Too much has been said now about Nash going to the Bruins, where if it suddenly fell apart, Sweeney would get absolutely crucified because he can't close a deal. Yeah, but who's leaking this now? This probably somebody probably in the Rangers from, brass to try to you know what? I always the say, flames, I guess. If it's Dreger or Friedman, I think it's Sweeney. Oh, really? Yeah, he tends... Well, look at They had the Pasternak deal before anybody else. You know, how it, it, it's one of those things where I think that he gives it to those guys before he gives it to the local guys. So uh, weird. So so yeah. in the middle of the second period, he would have sent like a text to Friedman and Drager, hey, we're getting close on Nash. What, what would that serve him? Why, why would he do that? Or, I don't know. Because the team, like so I said, weird. the team was saying, the team was playing so poor that he's like, hey, I gotta, I gotta get these people excited here. This is not good. We have two shots in the period. <laughs> that's true. That's true. <laughs> we're, we can't we look, generate we look beyond terrible. Yeah, I mean, that's the other argument, I guess. Why McDonough, when you're the first, uh, your best defensive team in the league per the numbers, um, it, it just seems to me when you look at Grizzlick and Krug and uh, and Carlo now and even McAvoy at 20 years old, at some point that's going to bite you in the playoffs. Even yeah. though you've proven that you're a great defensive team, that would still, to me, be the number one need. But, uh, you know, Nash is going to come in here and he's going to help them score with depth, which they didn't have last year, too. That part of that hurt them in the Ottawa series. Yeah, it's like that whole the sticks are hot clip that you yeah. play. That's that, Thank you. Please do it. Uh, that's though. That's like when I was last year, they were doing that. It, I, they, they probably scored two goals that game, and I was like, oh, they're on fire. They scored two <laughs> goals, first time in a month. Great, playing the parade. So, no, I think that you know this team, they understand that they have the scoring. It's just a matter of supplanting, uh, helping that out with some other complimentary pieces right now that can... The sticks are hot. The sticks are alive. There it is. Goals. Oh, love that, it. That'll live forever. All right, so... I hope so. We'll take your calls coming up next, 617-779-7937, the debut of Sunday Skate. Ken Laird and Ty Anderson here on Sports Radio WEI. Rick Nash, not a done deal, but according to Nick Kiprios, the framework is in place. Do you like it? Hate it? Uh, does he fill the Bruins' biggest need? Would you rather have seen them go with D and uh, pay the price for Ryan McDonough, whatever that is? Uh, Ty says it would have been double what the alleged price is here for Nash, which is a first-round pick and a solid prospect, so... Double that, and uh, you can use your imagination. And I guess that gets into what's their fatal flaw? Are they a real uh, cup team? Obviously, we've got to talk about the uh, uh, non-goal. Pardon me, the goal that probably should have been a non-goal last night. The loss to the uh, Leafs. We'll do that coming up next. And we'll open up the phone lines here in uh, hour one of a one-hour show. Sunday skate. We hope at some point we'll be expanded to two. But uh, this is a good uh, day to debut it, that's for sure, with a bunch going on. Trade deadline tomorrow. A trade deadline edition of Sunday skate presented by Star Market here on Sports Radio WEI. To the blue line, Morgan Riley to Mitch Marner, chops the puck in, Nylander takes over. On the outside, back to the blue line, score! Ron Hainsey with a slap shot. And Tuka Rask is complaining about interference, but the Maple Leafs appear to have forged ahead 4-3 with 1.23 to go. Hyman's in the blue paint with Chara, gets hit from McAvoy. But whose stick gets in the way? Yeah, you get, uh, I think this one might come back. After video review, the call on the ice stands. We have a ball. Krejci. Yeah, that's how it ended last night. Ron Hainsey, the bomb from the point, off the faceoff win with 1.23 to go. The Bruins lose to Toronto 4-3. This is Sunday Skate presented by Star Market. Ken Laird and... Ty Anderson from WEI.com. Get back to the Rick Nash talk and some of your calls here on that in a moment. But uh, real quick, I mean, the um, 
the goaltender interference drama continues with this league. I mean, you heard McAvoy afterwards, or saw that, at least I saw the, the, the print quotes that the nobody knows what goalie interference is anymore. Did they get hosed last night? Seems pretty clear they got hosed. Yeah, it's one of those things where I, I, I don't know anymore because I don't know. It's like the NFL. I don't know what a catch is, so I, and I have no idea what, what goalie, goalie interference is anymore. I think that there was a league mandate last month that said stop taking goals away. So now the referees, I think, now they feel this pressure that they... they if it's re- close, just let it stay. Exactly, which is not necessarily a great way to, to go about this, I think, especially if you're talking about new strategies like the one you saw last night where, okay, well, let's just push their own teammate into the goalie and, and skate away like nothing happened. So if that happens, the league is in trouble. Uh, I mean, the rule reads, this is Rule 69.1, if a defending player is pushed or shoved by an attacking player into uh, or to cause contact with the goalkeeper, the goal should be disallowed. And that's just like black and white... It's very obvious. The goal should not count. He was obviously pushed <laughs> into him. I guess you could argue that it was incidental contact. It was not. You could argue that. Yeah. Or that the goalie was able to move freely, which sort of like Rask could have sold it better. He oh, did yeah. He could have broadored it. Yeah. Could have thrown his head back or something. But, but it's hard to know in the moment that you're getting hit by your guy or the other guy or whatever. I mean, it's yeah. a minute and a half left and the game's on the line. You want to make an effort to get the puck. So it's hard to blame him. I. It's a pretty bad call, but... Uh, if that's if that if you're right, they've got to communicate that properly to the you know we're going to err on the side of letting goals stand, which is going to make Rick Nash more valuable, I guess. Yeah, absolutely. Just have get him here. Push other teams' defensemen and other right. goalies. It's going to be great. He'll have twenty goals. Lightning in None a bottle. None of them will be counted to him. Uh, no, I would say that it's one of these situations now where the players are sick of it. They don't know. They don't know what the call is. It's one of these things now where I think that if you're like the Bruins last night, if something happens and it's even close, you just challenge it because you truly don't know what's going to happen. You may as well challenge it, and if you lose a timeout, you lose a timeout. You know, it, it's there's just no consistency. And you saw Cam Talbot last week went off about this. It dropped like thirty f bombs. It's kind of amazing to watch. Uh, but he went off about this, and and I think the the players they just don't know anymore. So th- this needs to be tweaked somehow. It just needs to be tweaked. I don't know. I don't know the exact fix, but. Something needs to be done here because it is growing tiresome to kind of just have no idea what's happening. Well, the loss puts the Bruins now 1-6-1 and against Toronto in their last eight. Uh, the chances they're going to meet in the playoffs are pretty good at this point. I mean, they're, they've got a bunch of games in hand on uh, Toronto and even three games in hand on Tampa. Five games back of first. But in some order, Tampa, Toronto, Boston, uh, whether it's round one or round two, you're going to have to go through these guys. And it doesn't look like a great matchup. They've lost... Uh, all three games without uh, Matthews in the lineup, right? It's been a kind of a weird thing. Yeah, and then the one game that he and was they, in the lineup, they made him disappear. Right. It, it's a bizarre sort of matchup. Uh, and that's why I think that if you're the Bruins, you need to have home ice because I think when you have that, you can you can get Bergeron and Chara out there against Matthews. He'll be a total non-factor. I did like what I saw when you had uh, their game in Boston before the, before the Super Bowl, February 3rd or whatever it was. They... They had uh, Riley Nash's line against Kadri's line, and, and he really dominated that night as well. So you took away their two top-scoring lines, which tells me that you need home ice in this series because it's going to be a deep series. So the more games at TD Garden, the better off you'll be, you'll be I think, if you're the Bruins. And, you know, I don't worry about the, temp- uh, the Toronto Maple Leafs as much as I, as I did. Uh, Frederick Anderson is their big weapon. I think he's really dominated the Bruins in his career. Uh, at the same time, though, I think they've sort of found some goals against them recently. They've they've sort of cracked the code, if you will. Uh, and also for me, the Lightning, or I'm sorry, the Maple Leafs do not have a great defense. They they really don't. I think that that's oh, why if McDonough goes there, that's a that's a game changer. Yeah, and that's why I'm surprised that we haven't heard their name as heavily involved in the McDonough sweeps because they need that guy. They really need a, a, a true number one defenseman. You know, they they haven't had one in, in 
it feels like my entire lifetime, really. They, they don't have that piece. If they get that piece, I think their entire sort of outlook changes moving forward. Uh, so if they get that, then I become a little bit worried. But I think still, uh, even after last night, I still take the Bruins in a seven-game series with these guys. I just, I, I do think that it's it's one of those situations where they have the uh, the weapons and the experience to sort of beat that team in a seven-game series. Mitch Marner was the th- uh, third star of the game last night, but he was awesome. First period, that uh, you know, the goal from the circle. He just, he was, uh, he and Marchand were going back and forth with one nice play after another. It was an f- awesome game to watch too. So it'd be a fun series. I don't know that I would necessarily sit here and pick the Bruins right now. I think I would pick Toronto, but would you really? I think I would. I, I like. I mean, as you as you say, home ice matters. Right now, they don't have it. That game could decide it last night. I think like they got like five games more play than the. They Bruins, do have five though. games. Now. That's it's a lot. it's kind of crazy. The, the Bruins the could lose in overtime twice and retake that lead. They can go o three and two and and have home ice. So I, I just think that that's that's such a big thing for this team. They they are they are a remarkably different team on home ice uh, than they are on the road. And they're a good road team, too. But at home, they are one of the best. I I think that this is something that Cassidy has been great at, sort of triggering with these guys, getting them to play the right way uh, when they're at the Garden. And and that makes a massive difference. Granted, they lost all three playoff games at the Garden last year. So so who knows? That could go out the window in the playoffs. All right, talking Rick Nash, uh, does he move the needle for you if the Bruins indeed get this done? Looks like it could be today. Framework in place, according to Nick Kiprios and a lot of other the big uh, Canadian reporter honks are uh, tweeting about it. Rick Nash and the Bruins, possibly a first-round pick and a solid prospect. There has never been a Sunday skate or Saturday skate in the history of WEI where Fred in New Hampshire is not weighed in, so we can't break that tradition. Freddie, what's going on? Hi, Ken. Morning. What took so long, huh? What we took so long for... Show. Oh, for the hockey show. show. I mean, we get Montreal, we have to wait all the way to January, and this year we wait to the end of February to get the hockey show. Right, I mean, good good, good friend. timing. We waited for the Nash rumors. Okay. Um, you know, I'm here eating my oatmeal and my fruit and my nuts right now, washing it down with a cold one. No, 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 Nash. Okay? Can you remember? Does anybody have, remember, have any history? Remember what Nash did against the Bruins when we in the playoffs? Look at his, his, his playoff stats. He's... Thanks. What do you want to bring him in for? He's a lug. Remember Yaga? Is he better than Spooner? All we wanted was one goal from him. Um, I, I, just, let's talk. Freddie, Freddie, Freddie. He's an yeah. upgrade over Spooner. Just admit that. Not in the playoffs. He's I can't not? see that. I can't. Look at his numbers in the playoffs. He's terrible. He disappears. He's not there. He, in the he scored three last year. Three goals in 12 games last year. <laughs> yeah, did he score him at key times? Did he score him when they needed the most? Yes, he did. He won all three games. They did. There was, I'm they totally, I'm totally making that up. I have no idea. I know you are. <laughs> Anyways, uh, let's talk about uh, defense here. The Bruins. Yes, are the best defensive team in the league, and nobody gives them credit for it. Oh, you talk Nashville? No, their goals against them is as good as the Bruins. This is the best defensive team this year. In the National Hockey League. Yeah, the no stats prove that. What's that? The stats prove it. I just don't trust it right. in the playoffs, Freddie. They, they right. need some help there. Okay. Why? I, I mean, I looked at Grizzly and I said, wow, this kid's got a lot of offensive um, capabilities. But he's going to get eaten up in the defensive zone. He doesn't. He plays good defense. He's got a great stick. I mean, this is a good, a very good team. And nobody's giving them the credit for it. They, they don't talk. They still talk. Nashville's got better defense. I think we got better defense this year. Who's talking Nashville? You heard the Nashville praise. Better oh yeah, defense? that's me. 
Oh, really? Oh, damn, well, that defense fault. is fantastic. Roman Yossi, P.K. Subban, Mateus Ekholm, Ryan Ellis. That is a great top four. Thank you, Freddie, for bringing it. Bringing it, as always, Fred from New Hampshire. Uh, yeah, I mean, let me ask you, do you trust their D in the postseason? I mean, I, I, he's right. I like Grizzlick. He's, he's you know, 24. He's a little older than some of the other quote-unquote rookies they've got. I trust their first pairing and their third pairing. It's the second pairing that worries me with Krug and Carlo. I just I, think, I think that, if that's, you saw that's last night, that's, that's no longer their second pairing, right? That, yeah, Kevin yeah. Miller is going to be on that line. It, it, it almost has to be, right? But then you're talking about breaking up sort of what, what Grizzly and Miller have established when they're together, and I, I, lo- I love that pairing as well. Well, so. where does Nick Holden play? That is a bizarre that, trade. I, yeah, I, that's the thing, right? I mean, that, and it's one of these situations now where if he's not playing regularly... Okay, why is he here? I mean, I guess you could say they have a tough March schedule. They're they're loaded down with, what, 16 games. They're just going to start to give guys rest. Well, uh, that's the thing I was thinking, too. I, I think that right now you have a healthy you have a healthy McQuaid and Miller. You have 16 games in March. I have a feeling that's not going to last. But given given these guys' track records, given their careers and their history, yeah, but you're going to lose a- one of these players at some point. You would have to imagine, right? You already did with Miller. You lost him for nine games, upper body injury. Chara obviously has played his minutes, and... and He's one of these guys that I think you have to sort of manage here towards the stretch run, especially when you have the ability to kind of give him some nights off, if you will. And so, McQuaid being sat last night, I mean, he's been sat a lot, but I guess you were thinking that's probably trade-related. He's that's be curi- that's curious to me, yeah, because I think that McQuaid is a, is a great soldier. He's done everything this team has asked. He's broken his leg for this team. Yep. But I do think that he is another one of these players doesn't really fit what Cassidy wants to do. You watch him try to lead a breakout, it's a little rough. You know, he's had some moments where he's tried to activate offensively, but it's never quite as smooth as as you would like, and it's never who he's going to be. So, you know, he has to reinvent himself, if you will, but, you know, I, I do read into that a little bit. Not too much, but a little bit. He goes from playing in the final minute of a lead protection situation against the Edmonton Oilers on Tuesday to not playing at all Saturday night against the Leafs. Now, I'm a little curious. I'm an avid listener to uh, Zero Pucks Given with you and the great Dale Arnold. Oh, thank you. One of the things you said in there was it sends a bad message to the young guys if you make too many trades. Do you still believe that? I do. It, it, well, it depends. If it involves one of those players, I would agree. I would believe that because these young kids are producing. If you trade them, you know it almost sets an off an alarm. Like, okay, nothing I do is going to. Well, that's keep a bad me message. Safe. To, you yeah, shipped them out of town. But I, I thought you meant if they if they're going to trade McQuaid or some of the guys that are f- favorites in there, then McQuaid. All- I mean, McQuaid is a favorite. I think that's the one move that would kind of. I think would be could be could really wreck their chemistry or send a bad message. The other players that you've seen moved, O'Gara, Vetrano, I they understand it's a business, you yeah. know, versus anything else. But I think that a veteran of like McQuaid, that could be a tough sell for some of those kids because they really sort of like like him and like the fact that he has their back no matter what. It's a big presence to lose. What do you think of Rick Nash Sunday skate presented by Star Market? Craig in Tampa is next here on Sports Radio W E I. Hi, Craig. Hey, how you doing? All right. Happy uh, warm February. Yes, sir. Um, just a comment. I grew up in New England, lifelong uh, Bruins fan, but now uh, in Tampa and uh, like the Lightning also and watch them almost uh, every game. Um, without the Bruins making a move for Nash or an offensive player, uh, they won't have a chance against Tampa. Uh, Tampa's only really weak. Then Tampa's going to score regardless uh, if Boston's defense stays the way it is same. They get McDonough. Uh, they're going to pick on Krug and those other guys, and it's going to be kind of ugly. So uh, getting a forward and whether Nash is the right guy is a separate question, but it's almost paramount to even be competitive against Tampa. So uh, one other tidbit down here in Tampa, all the energy uh, in you're hearing out of uh, the lightning here is uh, they're close with Carlson. Uh, they got a bevy of picks. 
Oh, man. And if they get Carlson, uh, lights out. Have a good day. Yeah, with Carlson and uh, Victor Hedman. Is, no, it's the Globetrotters. That's awesome. But, yeah, but you know what? What would be funny about that, and you mentioned that Bruins have matched up pretty well with them. Um, they would have probably the Vezina Trophy winner, probably the Hart Trophy favorite. They'd have all the buzz, and the Bruins might, I don't know, in a, in a weird way, you might love that that matchup, just to come in and uh, nobody's giving you a shot at all to beat Tampa. Yeah, and, and listen, I, I think that I would love it because you have the two best lines in the NHL, in my opinion, with with the Stamkos line and, and, and the Bergeron line going head-to-head. I, I think that'd be a great matchup. You know, it's interesting, though, because I think the Lightning, you know, this is a team that they have a lot of experience. They have a lot of, you know, these teams are built in the same image, if you will. You know, I think that Lightning have a bit more scoring, a bit more high, temp, you know, up-tempo kind of scoring, if you will, especially from their back end. But I do think that, you know, similar to the to the Bruins, I think there are elements of the Lightning you could pick on in a seven-game series. And, you know, I think Vasilevsky, he's supposed to prove it. You know, I think that we have our questions about every, everything. We know everything else, but that's your big question mark. You know, I think that if he can prove himself in the playoffs, it changes everything. But until then, you know, who knows? Maybe you have a – I think you have a puncher's chance in that series. I really do. Well, the schedule's been odd, too. You've only played them once. Uh, 3-2 win back on November 29th. This schedule is the worst schedule in the world. You know you still haven't played the Panthers? I'm like 90% sure you haven't played the Panthers. They haven't. Well, one of them was postponed. Yeah, okay, yeah. So that's why you haven't. You might make it up in the last game of the year, but right. So you have seven games left with Tampa and Florida, who's actually pretty hot. I mean, they're 20 games back of Boston, but they uh, are playing good hockey. They've won like six of eight. They beat the uh, Penguins last night. They've joined the Ryan McDonough sweepstakes as well, which is interesting. I I mean, they could very well be a wildcard team, and you could still end up facing them in the first round maybe if you finish with a top seed. But, uh, yeah, I mean... We we I don't know how they match up with Tampa. We haven't seen it yet. So, in in yeah. the years past, they've done they've matched up fairly well. But the one game they had team. this year was a big win for them. Yep, because it was right after they they got their asses kicked by the by the Oilers, and two, it was for, Tuka's first game back in net, and what felt like you know it was he it, you know it was he played on Sunday against the Oilers, but it was his first start against a really good team, and Lord knows how long, and and he played really well. So, you know they're. It's a good matchup for them. I know it's crazy to say, but I, I you know, I, going back to what we talked about earlier, I fear the Leafs more than I fear the Lightning. I, I don't know why. It's just I think in my head, I just I, I've seen these guys match up against Amcos, and I've seen them slow him down before. Uh, it's a different story in seven game series, but I, I like that versus the unpredictability. Fear of the, the replay the, judge in the uh, Air Canada Center when, when yeah, exactly. Yeah, he's the Grim Reaper. All right, coming up, a couple other names that have been out there. If indeed the Nash thing falls apart, or even if they get Rick Nash. Uh, some final m- moments for you to weigh in, whether you like it, but uh, some of the other names they would then pass on when run, run past you, the other names that we might be hearing that uh, go in the next 24 hours. hard pass on everybody. I on everybody? Oh, no, no, I, I got some know. dandies here. Right. Ken Laird, Ty Anderson, this is Sunday Skate. Every Sunday, 8 a.m. going forward throughout the playoffs, and it looks like the Bruins will be heading there might be, uh, maybe with Rick Nash, number 61, alongside as soon as today. This is presented by Star Market at Sports Radio, WEI. What took so long, huh? We get Montreal, we have to wait all the way to January, and this year we wait the end of February to get the hockey show. Right, I mean, it's good, singing good Fred. timing. We waited for the next. There's a lot of talks going on, but uh, you never know. I mean, you realize the one that went down last night, how complicated some of these things get at this time of the year. And uh, you just continue to explore and see what clubs are, are willing to do and what you're willing to do and and, uh, and maybe something that fits. You know, we really have to be pretty target-specific for us. Uh, um, you know, our club, I'd like to continue to maybe add a piece, but you just don't know between now and, uh, and Monday. Talking in vagaries last night at Air Canada Centre is Don Sweeney. Get any text from Sweeney here in this uh, hour? Any no, news you no, want to break, Ty? That's, that's not going to happen. Not done? Okay. No. 
Well, it's the framework's in place per Nick Kiprios. Sure sounds like Rick Nash is going to be a Boston Bruin. Um, you like the deal, but you don't love it, is what I'm gathering. Yeah, I, I think I've sort of talked myself into it. You know, he's the the best option available. You know, he's he's the bop. He, he he's is, the best winger available, I would say. Yes, yeah, yeah. And, and, and that's what they've targeted. I think with the Holden trade, they've said, okay, we like our defense for the most part. We're just going to let, we're going to sink or swim with Krug, Grizzlick, Carlo, yeah, etc. Which I guess you have to see at some point, right? You have to kind of figure out what you have before you You don't this year them. if you want to win a cup, but yeah, that's what they've chosen. Uh, personally, I would rather have McDonough than Nash, but I'm kind of like you. I'm talking myself into if if it sparks the Krejci line and you've got three lines rolling, that's the you get a little more thing. offense there, then you, you can make a case for it. That's for sure. Yeah, I think that last year you kind of saw what happens when you don't have an effective Krejci. He was injured last year, we, we know, but you need that line going in the playoffs because you're going to see teams keying on the Bergeron line. You know, and, and even, listen, if Nash doesn't work, you can flip him to the left side of that second line if you want and have Pasternak drop down with, with Krejci. You know, try to give yourself two scoring options. Uh, but it is one of those situations where you really need that line to be, to get going if you're going to go much of anywhere this spring. Maria in Watertown is in for Sunday Skate. Hi, Maria. Hi, guys. How are you this morning? Excellent. It's so nice to hear some legit hockey talk on WEEI for a change. I appreciate it. So thank you for, uh, for you're, getting the You're show welcome. Back one on. of many hockey shows on this station, I'll have you know. Go ahead. <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, so here, here's my question. With, with regard to the Rick Nash deal... I'm not in love with it, but I'm okay with it if it's not going to cost you a lot of um, future assets. I think you do need to have somebody on that wing um, with Krejci because clearly they don't have enough faith in um, in Ryan Spooner at this point. But here, here's my bigger question after what I watched last night. And you guys are smarter hockey people than I am. Can you please explain to me what the love affair is with Tory Krug on defense? I don't know how this organization expects Brandon Carlo to progress when they're pairing him up with Tory Krug, who's a defensive liability. Good offensive skills for a defenseman, not a good defenseman. I'd rather see Nick Holden or Adam McQuaid in the lineup, and I, I think they're going to have to do some kind of rotation because clearly Krug's side of the ice gets picked on, and Nazem Kadri eats him for lunch. So I, I just need that explained to me, guys. Thank you for Thanks, Marie. Go ahead, Ty. So, You're a Krug defender. Yeah, not to get on the inside hockey version of it, if you will, because I know it's very boring radio, but it's one of those things where if you take Krug away out of their equation, you take him out of the equation, their left side breakout, it's non-existent. You know, you, Grizzlick is good, but people are quick to equate him to Krug because they're the same size and stick. That's not the case. He's not as strong a puck mover as Tori Krug is. Zidane Chara, you don't want to see him doing it on a consistent enough basis because I think then his, his game slips in other areas, if you will. So they really rely on him to be that left side breakout. And he's, he's such an important piece to what Claude did, and he's an even more important piece to what Cassidy does. So that is his value to the team. And I think that that's why that you've seen them sort of stick Carlo with him all season because they know that Carlo can do the defensive job just fine. You know, that's not the issue, if you will. Some so, nights, but no mistaking, yeah. last night that pair was a mess. No, that was an absolute disaster. They got absolutely destroyed. Uh, but it's one of those things where his value really is in the breakout. It really is... He is a model citizen, I guess, if you will, for what Bruce Cassie wants to do with his team, uh, especially in the defensive zone. So they need him. You know, it's one of these things where I think that he's best in, in a third-pairing role. I think, you know, I... I I see top four flashes, but I don't see it on a consistent enough basis to say that he is a consistent 23-minute. 
Yeah, it's one of those things where I think that's a great third pairing, but right now they're being asked to be your, your second pairing, so you're going to run into trouble, I think, against some of these teams here if Carlo is not pulling his weight and Krug is, is struggling like he did last night. So that pairing, I just think that a little bit too much faith in them right now for what they need to be doing. All right, we're out of time. Volani and Hart coming up. Let me just run through some names real quick. You give me a thumbs up or thumbs down. Uh, better or worse than Nash? Evander Kane. That's another guy. Worse could because be the locker room would hate him. Max Pacioretty, one year left next year, four and a half mil. You know what's funny? This guy couldn't get along with P.K. Subban, and now he wants out of Montreal. No, you're stuck there. Deal with it. Matt Zuccarello, one uh, year left I would with like the Rangers. It. I would like it, yes. He only has 10 goals this year, but it seems like a he is guy a, who's... He is a Cassidy player. Mike Hoffman, two years left. Big cap hit, five point something million going forward. Don't like the cap hit. Don't think it fits a need for them. Their left side has been pretty good. Brian Gionta's name's been thrown out. Is he no, might... no, no, no. <laughs> looks no. like he might, though, right? He is 39 years old, and it looks like he is 78 years old. I am all set on Brian Gionta. Jerome McGinley. You know I would, because I think at the very worst-case scenario, he's a great 13th forward to have in your team. He's a great leadership locker room kind of guy. Uh, I, it's one of those things where you know the difference between he and Gionta is that if Gionta's not scoring, he's useless. If Beginla's not scoring, I, I know he's going to do something else to make to add some value to the locker room. All right, Villani and Hart coming up. Four big hours. Those guys will be uh, on it. If anything breaks with the Nash news, I am sure. But uh, Andy Hart's heading to the combine. We got a we got a combine preview. I got to think coming up of some kind. Yeah, I don't know anything about the draft uh, in any sport. Well, stick around. You'll learn something. Hart and right. coming up next. This is the debut of Sunday Skate. We'll be back every Sunday, 8 a.m. going forward through the Bruins season and into the postseason. Looks like they'll be there despite the 4-3 loss last night. And listen to Ty and Dale Arnold. Zero pucks given pretty much every Thursday, right? Thursday, Friday? Yeah, we try. We're gonna, we, we may try to get one on earlier this week because of the deadline. Uh, also, I'm going to say it right now, Penn's Bruins Conference Finals. Going there. See ya.